Welcome back. This is Romanticy, a podcast created by Dipsy, and I'm your host, Faye Keegan. Re-listening to today's episode to prepare for this intro kind of reminded me of how much I just like episode three of Wings of Winter. It's just really good. Obviously, as a creative team, we stand behind everything we put out and we try to make everything good. Um, But certainly, we have favorites on the team. And for me, this one is truly a favorite. So Wings of Winter was the first full fantasy series we ever did. We had played with fantasy elements before, like your professor turns out to be a vampire, but we hadn't actually had to build our own universe from scratch. So Aurora in Wings of Winter is our first version of that. And we have witches and elves and a king, and we have fae and high fae, halflings, And that was all really new for us. And in episode three, we got to lean into some of my all-time favorite fantasy tropes that we hadn't yet really got a chance to touch. Not only does this episode contain the first challenge of the gleaning, it also has one bed trope. Love to see it. And Another classic moment in which a scar is revealed and the question of who did this to you is asked. Chef's kiss. As a reminder, before we start listening to episode three of Wings of Winter, the rest of this series and hundreds more spicy audio stories written by us are available right now on the Dipsy app. And you can get 30 days free by using code ROMANTICY at dipsystories.com. That's D-I-P-S-E-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S dot com slash romanticy for 30 days free. So here it is, episode three of Wings of Winter. The carriage jostled with each bump and hole on the road. I looked down at the piece of rolled parchment that had mysteriously slipped beneath my bedchamber door just that morning, reading it for the hundredth time that day. The first challenge will be a hunt. The royal game makers have hidden a number of golden amulets in Dreadmorn Grove. Not enough for all competitors. You'll have two days to find one. There's an old cabin due west of the Pine Grove Falls. There you'll find provisions and can take rest. Gods be with you. The competitors were not supposed to know the rules of each challenge until they started. We'd been loaded into separate carriages and sent on our way after breakfast without any official announcements from the game makers. Clearly, someone had wanted me to have an advantage. Perhaps it was my father. It seemed the likeliest answer, and yet he'd made no mention of it when I'd seen him last, and he'd opposed my entrance into the gleaning from the start, at least in private. On the last full moon before the competition began, he'd hosted a dinner in honor of my participation, and toasted to my imminent victory, an exuberant outward showing of paternal pride. Yet the cold presence of his disappointment lingered between us always. He had always preferred my brothers to me. They were, even from the time of being just failings, more calculating, more strategic, more like him. And when I'd turned down his offer to join the Council of Aurora's cold and barren western region, 
That disappointment had hardened further, but I had known the offer for what it was, an exile, a consolation prize for not being good enough. All four of my brothers were on the Royal Council. Why should I be the exception? Perhaps the note was my father's attempt to make peace. I'd wished he'd not done as much. I wanted to win on my own terms. I'd gone to breakfast with the piece of paper tucked into the deepest pocket of my cloak. The hall was somber. The violence of the night before settling into a deadly calm. I had found Hawthorne drinking a cup of acorn brew. I quickly, quietly told her what I knew and she thanked me for the hint. Then I searched for you. I tried to banish the memory of what we had done the night before, but the vision of you kneeling before me was seared into my mind, and each time the image surfaced my magic flickered and my cock ached. I found you at the end of a long table tucking into a bowl of porridge slathered in sky apple syrup and dragon plums, fruits that could not have grown in the human province. Against my better judgment, I sat next to you. You were wearing the sword I had given you, armed even at breakfast. The immortals in the hall watched us, their stares like heat upon my back. Even the dimmest amongst them would put the pieces together. I had given you the fey weapon. I had given you a way to kill them. It was foolish to announce our alliance in this way. It would have been better to keep it a secret. But for some reason, when it came to you, I kept throwing strategy out the sky window. I slid the piece of parchment across the table towards you. You read it silently, nodded, then got up and left the table. This was starting to become a habit. You turning your back to me and walking away. It wrangled my magic and made my wings itch in my back. A low and angry growl started unbidden in my throat. Your hatred for me was clear as day. Perhaps our alliance was nothing more than a transaction. Or perhaps I was just a fool to trust you with such a weapon. One that could kill me. Were you an ally or a traitorous foe? All would be tested in Dreadmorn Grove. The rhythmic sound of the horse's hooves on the forest path focused me back on the present. There was no more time to think about what happened this morning. We would be dropped in the middle of the forest. The rules for the first game would be announced and then all hell would break loose. It would turn into another bloodbath. We unloaded from the carriages and lined up by the royal game makers. They explained the rules of the first challenge. My secret correspondent had been right. Ten amulets and fifteen of us. Two days to find them by whatever means necessary. Whoever remained alive and with an amulet come Sunday would move on to the next challenge. As the game makers explained the conditions of victory, my eyes found you in the circle of competitors. Your stare had never looked colder and your hands already rested on your sheathed sword. The revelry of the night before had shattered. No merry song amongst the creatures gathered here. This was no game. It was war. One of the game makers, dressed in flowing silver robes, entered the center of the circle with a large golden eagle perched on his shoulder. The bird opened its beak. Its haunting cry filled the woods. The first challenge had begun. There was a moment of calm 
after the eagle's call, quiet enough that I could hear the pump of each competitor's heart. None of the immortals moved at first, but you quickly faded into the woods behind you, silent and sneaky as a night wraith. If I had not been watching you intently, I would have missed it. As I scanned the grove for your form, there was an ear-splitting scream. I wouldn't stay long enough to see what terrible fate had befallen the first to be attacked. I took off running into the dark line of the pine forest, and battle erupted like hellfire behind me. I would run to the cabin and let the eagerest fae, witches, and elves kill each other and scour for the amulets. Let the fools thin their own herd for me. Some might consider it a cowardly plan, but I was more interested in staying alive than glory. Tomorrow I could look for the amulet, or kill whichever competitor had found one and failed to protect themselves. Immortals were a boastful lot. Tonight I'd wait, and I'd survive. Dreadmorn Grove was infested with all sorts of dangerous vermin and magical creatures which filled the nightmares of Wee Fei across the kingdom. Rattle squirrels, centaurs, and wraiths, but I was used to them. I'd explored these woods on horseback many times as a child. I'd always had a strong yearning for adventure. The tales my mother had told me of these woods did not deter me, but lure me. It was a stroke of luck that the first challenge was being held in one of my old haunts. I focused on finding the cabin. It would take me many hours to walk there. Flying would be too risky, the sound of my wings might alert a competitor to my whereabouts, and I'd be vulnerable to elven arrows unarmored in the sky. I wondered where you were, but had no means of tracking you. Had you made it out of the start of the games? As I walked, I picked some of the abundant forest bounty, sky apples, spiny pears, and forest berries. As I grazed, the sweetness of the fairy fruit reminded me of your lips, the way it had felt to kiss you. My hand wrapped tightly around your neck. Focus. I scolded myself for having such a wandering thought in the midst of danger. What had you done to me, human? Just then I heard something. The slightest stretching, then snapping of a twig. My magic flared and my strength increased. I quickly pulled two daggers from my belt and spun towards the sound. But there was nothing. Even as I stretched my ears to hear the softest of sounds. Perhaps it was a rattle squirrel. Or perhaps not. I backed slowly into the darkness of the tree line. My dagger still drawn. It would be best to make it towards the cabin. By the time I reached it, moonlight was streaming like liquid silver through the tree branches, and I could feel the electricity of a storm forming overhead. The rain wouldn't be long now. I was making my way towards the shelter door when I heard the whistle of an arrow through the air. I ducked on instinct alone, spinning and redrawing my daggers in one motion. The arrow pierced into the structure behind me. I had escaped death by inches. Show yourself, I called into the silent forest. Then I heard the sound of a struggle, branches breaking and a scream as someone fell to the forest floor. So there were two. And then, you, my troubling human ally, emerged from the woods with an elf slumped over your back. You dropped her on the ground and stalked into the cabin without a word of acknowledgement. 
I followed you in. Care to tell me what just happened, I asked. You didn't turn to face me as you spoke. You just said she was tracking, so I killed her. If you'd been looking at me, you would have seen surprise flash across my face like lightning. Inside, you lit a candle and began loudly opening the kitchen drawers and closets. Care to tell me what you're doing, I said. I'm hungry, you huffed. Here, I said, and reached into my satchel and pulled out the forest fruit and a corner of bread for you. You took a hasty bite and a stream of juice dripped down your chin and throat. There was a deep cut above your left eye. I wondered how many you had already killed, but didn't ask. The rain had already begun to fall, and even though it was summer in the royal court, Dreadmorn Grove was bitterly cold at night. The cold couldn't kill an immortal, but it would be unsafe for you. As you ate, I locked the door. You laughed. Understandable. A wooden door would do little to keep out any of our bloodthirsty competitors. However, I had no plans on relying on a simple structure to keep us safe. I began whispering ancient words over the door running my fingers over the grains of wood. What are you doing, you asked. I'm enchanting it, I said. I'm setting a mirage so no one can see the cabin as we sleep. I didn't know you had that kind of magic, you replied. Well, there's a lot you don't know about me, human, I said back. This will keep us safe for the night, I continued. Thank you, you said. And I could tell that time you actually meant it. There was a dusty bottle of mead under the sink. In the temporary safety of the mirage, we sat and drank at the table, talking about the competition thus far. It turned out talking about battle was where we got along best. You had already killed three. I didn't ask for details. You might be a skilled hunter, but that didn't mean you would want to relive your kills. I was still haunted by many a battle, Instead, I asked where you had been trained. You laughed mockingly at that. Somehow, I had offended you for the millionth time. You told me that humans weren't afforded the privilege of training. Rather, you'd learned all your skills by necessity, hunting as a child and defending your family from criminals. Both your parents had died young. As soon as you were able, you learned to use a bow and arrow so you could provide for yourself and your brother. I was confused by the picture you painted. Why were you providing for your family at such a young age? It was customary for the royal family to provide provisions for poorer regions. Humans, especially. When I asked you, you looked at me with confusion. Surely you know you scoffed. Surely I don't, I replied. I tire of your questions, Faye. You said. Fair enough, human, I said. What do you want to know of me? Why have you entered the gleaning, you asked. In truth, to you, it must have seemed greedy, all the realms in an endless winter, except the royal court in an eternal spring. My victory would mean that none of the other provinces tasted summer for another year. In fact, my motivations were even greedier than you imagined. I was entering for my own glory, my own selfish advancement. Not wanting to further solidify your picture of me as presumptuous fey as I simply said, it's a long story. Perhaps we should sleep. Your eyes narrowed in suspicion, but you acquiesced. We both were tired, and tomorrow morning we'd have to awake at dawn. The mirage would not work in the daylight. 
Just then, I realized there was only one bed in the cabin. It was small. Very small. It would fit too, but just barely. I saw you realize the same thing a moment after me. Distress, then humor, crossed your face like a color-changing comet sweeping across the sky. Should flip a gold crown for it, you suggested. It's all right, human. You can have it. I said, I wish you wouldn't call me that. You said, then I saw you open your mouth and close again, like there was something else you wanted to say, but I didn't have yet the courage to ask what it was. It was then I realized you were shivering. The fragility and humanness of your slight shaking caused something like pain in my chest. I could sleep with you, I suggested. As allies, I clarified, for warmth alone. Just don't try anything you warn. You started pulling your tight hunting leathers off. I should have looked away, but I could not. In the still of the cabin, I swept my eyes over you in a way that I hadn't the night before. Small scars marked your body. The skin of not just a hunter, but a warrior. What else weren't you telling me? How violent was this human realm? One long scar traced the length of your spine. Time and time again, I wanted to be annoyed by you, but then you'd do something to pull me in, to make me care. It was maddening. I'd never, not in my 500 years, felt so powerless. And at the same time, I felt anger growing in me, a deep well of fire surging through my veins. Who had done this to you? When you were down to your rune silks, you slipped under the quilt, wrapping it tightly around you. Take off your clothes, Rowan, you said. Your body heat will keep me warm. I stripped to my linen undergarments. Then, very carefully, I slipped under the covers. My wings folded neatly in place as I slid in next to you and wrapped my arms gently around your small human form. Predictably, I felt my magic swell up to the surface of my skin in a fiery bubble. At least, that would help keep you warm, I thought. You sighed deeply and said, That feels good. I wrapped my arms more tightly around you and asked you if it was okay. You nodded your head sweetly. A stark contrast to the ruthless hunter of hours before. I don't know why I did it. It was against my better judgment, but I traced my finger down your scar. Then you sighed again. I do not want to talk about it, you said, anticipating my question. Who did this, I asked. It's a long story, you said, an echo of my previous excuse. It nearly killed me to hear the pain in your voice. Another time, perhaps, I said. You sighed and snuggled into me further. Another time, you said. As I rubbed my hand once more along your spine, you very softly said, It was a fae, and it was when I was very young. I did not need to know more. There was no excuse for the powerful abusing the powerless. I whispered apology after apology onto your back for what you had suffered at the hands of my kind. You told me that it was all right, that it made you strong. Perhaps in an effort to shift the focus away from yourself, you asked me about my mother. After that, neither of us said anything for a few moments. With each of your breaths, I could feel your body moving just slightly, 
and even the lightest bit of pressure against me felt intense. It took all my concentration to stay focused. But then you pushed yourself against me. I wasn't sure if it was intentional, but then a few moments later you shifted closer again and I knew I was not mistaken. I felt myself grow thick and hard and I exhaled deeply, no longer trying to contain the magic that wanted to course through my veins. You wordlessly grinded your ass, your perfect ass against me. Then you reached for my hand and placed it on your bare stomach. Your skin was deliciously soft and smooth. I traced circles around your belly button. And when I began to inch closer to your rune silk bottoms, I could hear the hitch in your breath and feel the arch in your back deepen. I slowly traced my fingers over the soft hair between your legs, going lower and lower. Finally, I was directly above your clit. And there I stayed for a moment, drumming my fingers against the skin, teasing you. Rowan, you whispered. What? I asked innocently. Please, you begged. Please what? I teased. Don't be a fucking ass, Rowan. Then tell me what you want, human, I said. You put your hand over mine and said, I want you to fuck me. My magic rushed from my bones and rushed through my body. I could have done all manner of things with that power, but the thing I wanted most in that moment was to feel you. I dragged my fingers lower and let out a guttural moan when I felt how wet you already were. Then I tore your rune silks away. We wouldn't be needing those. I dragged the wetness up between your lips and circled your clit with it, and you bucked against me, moaning and purring like some kind of primal beast. More, you begged. And I was happy to do as you pleased. I listened carefully to your breath and the sound of your beating heart. To me, it was as loud as the rain on the roof. I felt as if I could read your mind. Perhaps I could with my magic flooding you like that. I used my power to sense exactly how you like to be touched. I pressed with more pressure against your clit, and I knew if I kept going like that, you would quickly come undone. The idea of giving you that much pleasure excited me, and my wings unfolded from my spine. You gasped, amazed, and I laughed a little. I pressed my lips against your neck as I continued to touch you, kissing your neck with a fervor I'd never felt before. You were so small next to me, so fragile. I was caught between wanting to treat you gently and feeling like I couldn't hold back. The space between was delicious torture. You reached back and started stroking me, your hand working expertly. Fuck, I uttered. Then you whispered my name in pleasure. With that, I could not restrain myself anymore. I flipped you over so your back was pinned to the bed. My wings expanded to their full size, casting a purpley shadow over you as the bright moonlight from the window showed through them. I was mad with desire. You drive me insane, you know that, I said. You dismiss, insult, and deny me. Punish me then, you tease right back. Who are you, I growled. What human could be so arrogantly unafraid? Stop asking questions, you said. 
You wrapped your strong legs around me and I pressed the tip of my manhood against your clit, rubbing it against the sweet, torturous wetness that had gathered. Then, finally, I slid inside you. I knew I was pushing your limits with my size, so I asked you if it was all right, and you gave me a wicked smile in return. Don't you dare be gentle with me, Rowan, you moaned. And for the thousandth time that night, I came undone. I started to thrust into you, deep and powerful slow strokes. With each one, we cast a terrifying shadow upon the wall, joined together like some altogether new creature. You wrapped your arms around my neck and pulled me closer. The cabin was frigid and the wind howled outside, the rain thrummed on the roof, but our bodies were slick with sweat and we slid together and apart in ragged unison. I was close, so close. It was getting harder to hold on, and I could tell it was for you too. With one hand, I grabbed onto the headboard so I could slide deeper inside your tight, warm walls. And with my other hand, I reached between your legs, stroking your clit to bring you over the edge. I was going to burst. I could feel my cock throbbing, threatening to come inside you. I pulled out and spilled over onto the soft curve of your stomach, just as you were shaking and sputtering with pleasure. I'd never felt something so truly pleasurable in my 500 years. We were both breathless, and for the first time in a long time, I had nothing to say. You still annoy me, Rowan, you said. And then you fell into a deep and peaceful sleep, pulling me closer to you.